0: Expansion is in the air. We'll tell you where and what's going on in that situation. Uh, The Metropolitan Division is the tightest division in hockey, and it's closer than it's ever been right now. And speaking of the Metropolitan Division, Alex Ovechkin is red hot for the Washington Capitals. We're going to get into all of that and more on Outside the Glass. I'm your host, Thomas Robertson. And with such big news like expansion, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into that. So. It looks like Seattle is going to have a great chance to get an NHL franchise. And the reason being is that Gary Bettman, commissioner of the, of the National Hockey League, came out uh, the, yesterday and said that they're going to accept an application for expansion from Seattle and that that's the only team that they're considering for an application right now. So, that's huge news. A lot of people thought that Houston was a big player for expansion. There were other cities floating around there. Quebec City, Kansas City. The main two players, though, have always been Seattle and Houston. And Houston, it looked like, actually had the better chance. It makes a little more sense geographically as well, as this new team's going to be going into this central division. Obviously, Houston is more centrally located than Seattle, but... This past week, Seattle announced their renovations to the Key Arena for $650 million. So, that's obviously improved their case massively. You can't have a team without an arena. And they've got a couple of committed owners. The market is strong, and there's a need there, absolutely. I mean, there's... De- it's. It, Houston, by nature, is just a huge market, so anything's going to be successful there by default, but in Seattle, you've got not only a city, but an entire geographic region in the Pacific Northwest that's hungry for a franchise. They've been waiting for it for a long time, not just an NHL franchise, but once the Seattle Supersonics were moved to Oklahoma City, they have just been yearning for a franchise for so long, and it's not a done deal, but it's looking really good right now. Seattle's going to have to start doing a um, doing their season ticket process and seeing what kind of reaction they get from that. And right now, the expansion fee is going to be at six hundred and fifty million dollars, which it seems a little steep since Ve- considering Vegas just paid five hundred million for their expansion fee. Uh, the reason that Bettman gave for that. Was that you've got to consider markets, and you know, a team in a certain market is going to cost more than than a team in another market, and which definitely makes some sense. Seattle is obviously a better hockey market than Las Vegas. Talked about inflation, which I don't think plays too big of a role, considering how recent this Vegas expansion was. And also the success that Vegas has had as an expansion franchise, which I also don't know is that that's not an entirely valid argument. You're going to make somebody pay more just because the the most recent expansion team has been winning. But yeah, that's going to be a lot of money for that expansion fee. And those renovations are totaling, you know, well over a billion dollars. So not a cheap venture for, for Seattle. But. It's going to be interesting to see if they are accepted that it would begin in the 2020 to 2021 season. So, I, I talked about it a little bit earlier with how Houston would have made a little more sense geographically. And I'm wondering, I think almost definitely, once Seattle... I'm gonna just go ahead and assume that they're gonna that they're going to get the expansion franchise, which it's not a done deal um it, it just it, it looks like it's going to happen but during the vetting process, which is pretty extensive, something could come up absolutely. I'm not ruling that out, but for the purposes of the speculation, I'm going to assume they're gonna get the franchise once they enter the fold, I think we're going to see some sort of realignment because. Seattle is in the Pacific Northwest. Um, And they wouldn't be in the Pacific Division. They would be in the Central. So, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and who that affects. I think you also want to see that, you know, Bettman talked about it himself, how there's a potential for a great rivalry with that Vancouver-Seattle rivalry because they're so close geographically. Which is a great point. I mean, it's always good for the NHL to have thriving rivalries. So, you want them to be in the same division, I think, definitely. I mean, he hinted at it, how you want that geographic rivalry. Well, it's not going to be much of a rivalry if they're not in the same division and playing each other, you know, four plus times a year. So, there's 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 obviously a, different, a lot of different ways you could do it. Realignment can get pretty complicated. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know the final solution, but definitely, I mean, you're not going to want to move any of those California teams out of the Pacific. Probably not going to move Vegas. They're, they're awfully close to that Pacific Coast as well. And, and they're also clo- very close to those other teams that make up the core, you know, LA and Anaheim and San Jose. Vegas is awfully close to them. Arizona is awfully close to them as well. And then Vancouver is right on the coast. So, you're looking at probably moving one of those other Canadian teams. You're probably looking at moving Calgary or maybe Edmonton. Because those teams are are more inward and they're they're also farther away from those California teams that are pretty they're immovable. You can't move them out of the Pacific. So the distance I think from if you were to just do a simple say Seattle comes in, they put him in the Central Division. It's it's the simplest and most obvious solution would to just swap seattle into this pacific and put say calgary into the central and i don't think that that really is going to affect distance traveled for teams too much it makes it a lot easier for the pacific and you know for the central it's going to be really tough for teams to get get out to seattle i mean they're going to make it happen it's the nhl but it's going to that's a long haul for teams to get out to seattle it's not I don't think it's a longer haul to Calgary than to Seattle. In fact, it might even be shorter. Calgary is more inward. It's a slightly it's more north as well. So for a team like Dallas, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get to Seattle too. It's just that's how it is for those teams that are located in those more experimental markets. They're going to have to do more traveling by nature. It's just a price they have to pay. So that's the most obvious solution that I'm seeing. Uh, but I definitely don't think that they're just going to keep Seattle in the, in the Central Division. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, I am i mean, it's exciting. Expansion is one of the most exciting things that can happen in any in any professional league. To see a new team, to see them do well, I think is exciting. I don't think, any, you know, if you're in that Pacific Division, obviously Vegas is second in that division right now. So they're potentially taking a, a playoff spot away from another team, but if you're outside of that division, if you're not racing too too tightly with them, I think a lot everyone's really enjoying the success that Vegas is having. It's really just been fun to watch. So to for it to look like another team's gonna come into the fold, it was inevitable, you know. You, you can't you can't stay at thirty one teams. You can only stay there for so long, you know. You can only have one like to have one division with one less team than every other division is just it doesn't make sense, so it was inevitable. It's going to be really fun to see how it plays out, and I'm really excited for it. So we're going to jump into some recaps from last night. Had a large slate of games, so only going to only going to touch on a few that I found particularly interesting. Um, Boston took down the Coyotes six to one last night. You know, an absolute dominating performance from Boston. Arizona continues to be far and away the worst team in the NHL. We've got a minus 36 goal differential. They're 7-19-5 right now. So, what was great about this game is that David Backus, coming back so much sooner from that colon surgery than we all expected. got a piece of his colon removed. Coming back so much sooner... Than, than any of us really expected him to come back. And he gets his first goal for Boston. And not only that, he adds another goal. A two-goal game for David Backus. That's a great addition for this team to have because they have been struggling with with injuries, especially in the forward position this season. So to get him back, he's a leader, he's a veteran, and he can produce, as we saw last night. So great for Boston to get him back. They get a 6-1 win over Arizona. Pittsburgh gets the 4-3 win over the Islanders. We're going to talk about some of the implications from this game in terms of the division later on when we touch on the Metropolitan Division. But what we saw last night is Halak definitely got exposed, especially on that second goal. You know, the pucks coming down the boards on a, you know... Would have been a break for Pittsburgh. Colac comes out, gets the puck as he should, but he holds on to it too long, hesitates, and plays it back up the boards, and plays it past his guy that's coming down, plays it past the defenseman that's coming down to get the puck, holds onto it too long. Should have just dropped it off and let his let his lead guy have it. Instead, he holds onto it and then tries to shoot it past him and up past the blue line. Doesn't make it there. Pittsburgh guy's waiting, and he takes it. Moves in Halak's obviously way out of position, and he puts it top jetter. It was a beautiful shot, but Halak's out of position. Most people are gonna are gonna bury that shot. So just not a smart play from Halak, and that's that's definitely the a, a sign of a bigger problem for the Islanders. And we're gonna touch on that more a little later. But just a glaring example of what of what their biggest problem is right now. Last night. Occurred last night. Tampa Bay gets a 5-2 win over Colorado. That's the third in a row for Tampa Bay. They're they're looking back to, back to form from earlier in the season. They had a period there where they were kind of going win-loss, win-loss. So, what's been surprising over this stretch for Tampa Bay, past the three games they've won in a row, is that Nikita Kucherov has not only slowed down, but come to pretty much a screeching halt. Only had two goals in his last nine games, and both those two goals came in the same game, so only one game with at least a goal in the last nine, after he started off so hot, I mean, a a goal-a-game pace for nearly 20 games, and... He has cooled off significantly. Tampa Bay is five and four in that time frame of those nine games. Five and four, you know, nothing to nothing to freak out about and burn your jerseys about. But it is is slightly concerning for Tampa Bay. You don't want to rely too heavily on on one or two guys. Stamkos his his production's definitely slowed down as well. But it's it's tapered off at a slower rate than Kucherov's has. And you don't want to be in that spot where you're relying on two guys to win games. So, you know, Tampa Bay, five and four of their last nine is not, it's a significant difference from what they were going through those first 15 or so games of the season. They were winning every game, it seemed like. And Kucherov and Stamkos were scoring every single game. So now that that has changed, and that's stopped, they're they're experiencing a, a frequent amount of games over this last nine game stretch where neither of them are getting points, neither of them are getting goals, and they are not winning as much, clearly because of it. Their secondary scoring hasn't stepped up to the point where they can continue that domination. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that situation and see if those two guys can get back to their absolute dominant nature. So we'll keep an eye on that. And the LA Kings came out on top 4 3 in Ottawa. a Really exciting game. Uh, just like that Islander game we didn't really touch on. I, the Islanders scored two goals in the last five minutes to bring it into OT, but Pittsburgh ends up winning the game. And it, in this Kings Senators game, it was a low scoring affair until that third period where they just exploded for quite a few goals. And. Ottawa, in the last 10 seconds of the game, gets a goal to bring it into overtime, but Drew Doughty comes up on a break and and decides to keep it for himself and snipes it home. So, it's been an, an abysmal stretch for these Ottawa Senators. They've lost 10 out of their last 11 games. That's concerning. They got off to a pretty good start and they have not gotten it done and it's it seemed like it's it seemed like it's been in the aftermath of this Duchesne trade you know they trade away Kyle Turris one of their better two-way players a really versatile guy that could do a lot for for an all-offense guy and Matt Duchesne. you know Duchesne is not not a guy you want to lean on defensively at all whereas Kyle Turris is that guy so it's changed the dynamic of this top six forward group significantly and it's looked like it's changed that group for worse. It, it was hard to predict what effect it would have because you're adding a guy that mu- is much more dynamic offensively so you're hoping that that's going to turn into goals and more production for your team and you kind of sacrifice that two-way play and so you kind of accept allowing me you know slightly more goals. And so far it hasn't it hasn't come together offensively for Duchesne in Ottawa. Only had four points, I believe, in the, in the 13 games that he's been there. So just not nearly enough production from Duchesne at all. So it was last night he did get his first multi-point game with the Senators, which is good. They didn't end up winning the game, which is bad, <laughs> obviously. So he has stepped up his production. He went on quite a long streak of no points, you know, eight or so games. And he's gotten some points these last handful of games. And he gets his first multi-point game last night, which is good to see. And that's a nice rebound off a Carlson shot. And that last goal in the last ten seconds of the game, it's Duchesne at the top of the right circle. Got a lot of room. And that's a that's a time where you might normally see him try to take a shot. Maybe his confidence is down, whatever from not getting a whole lot of points, but he makes a great play. The Kings defender's got to stick down on the ice right in front of him, and he's moving in towards the net from the top of the right circle, and he just finesses a little sauce pass over that defenseman's stick. Really impressive sauce pass, considering such little room that he had between him and the guy he was connecting with in front. So it's kind of a little chip shot. A little chip pass, I should say. And... Goes right to the front of the net. Senators scrap for it in front and put it in with, you know, eight seconds left, and they go to overtime. So, it's good to see Duchesne's producing more. First multi-point game last night. But the Senators are just struggling mightily right now. And they have seven overtime losses. So, they're not getting it done in the clutch. So... Something's got to change in Ottawa. Shane's got to continue to put up more points, and Eric Carlson has had, you know, he got a he got a point last night, but before that, ten game pointless streak, I believe. So that's the leader of that team. He has got to to improve his game, no doubt about it. And on the other on the other side with the LA Kings, Drew Dowdy's had twelve points in his last twelve, so. That's that's the kind of numbers that Carlson needs to be putting up for this team. That's what they expect out of him in Ottawa, and he is that kind of player that can do that. So something's gotta change in Ottawa. I guess they felt that before they made the trade, but now it looks even worse there. So they're gonna to have to figure something out. And now we're gonna move on to the Metropolitan Division. Undoubtedly the tightest division in hockey. I would say the best division in hockey. You know, the leader in every other division has more points than in the Metro. Every division has at least a 40 point team, except for the Metro. But what you also see is the fifth place team in the Metro has 35 points. The fifth place team in the Atlantic has 27. The fifth place team in the Central has 29. And the 5th place team in the Pacific has 32. So, not a top heavy division by any means, but is the deepest division in hockey by far. Only 4 points separate the top 6 teams, and only 1 point separates the top 5 teams, which is just absurd. I mean, New Jersey's got 36, Columbus 35, Islanders 35, Capitals 35, and Pittsburgh 35. That is... Not anything you're going to see in any other division in hockey. It's exciting. It's so fun to watch this division every night. I mean, you never know who's going to win. And even those bottom few teams, you know, New York's got 32 points. They're 15-10-2. and They're they're playing great hockey right now. They've won two of their last three games. They were hot before that, before they lost Zubanajad. Philadelphia... They're, they're trying to figure some things out, but they have so much talent. And they have one, maybe the best top line in hockey now that Kudrov and Stamkos have slowed down so much. And Couturier, Giroux, and Voracek. That line is dynamite. They're unreal. And Carolina. And none of these teams have more regulation losses than they have wins. None of them. So... This is a really tight division. It's a really fun division to watch. Every single night when two Metro teams take each other on, I'm going to tune in because it's such. it makes for such competitive and exciting hockey. And the Devils are at the top of the division, like we said, with 36 points. But they, they've cooled off a little bit from their hot start. You know, they made a lot of waves in the league starting off so hot with all those young guys. Now they're on more of kind of a win-loss pace. You know, win one game, lose the next. So, they got good goaltending. They they added Sammy Vatson in that trade from the Ducks, as we talked about last week, which I think was a good move for them. They lost a leader in that locker room with Henrik, but they 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 think they needed that D, and they got that the exact D that they wanted after missing out on Shattenkirk in the offseason, So, that's we'll see how that plays out. You know, it hasn't affected them negatively like like in Ottawa, as we talked about with that trade, but. They've slowed down a little bit. Nothing to be too concerned about in New Jersey right now. I don't think that they're going to stay at the top of this division for long, though. I really don't. They've got a lot of just, they've got teams with more firepower behind them, and that's just a fact. You know, Pittsburgh, obviously more offensive firepower. Washington, more offensive firepower. The Islanders, more offensive firepower. Columbus. Similar similar offensively to New Jersey, but better goaltending. Probably probably a better blue line in Columbus as well. So I just think that these teams that are that are clogged up at 35 points behind them, I think all of them have a significant chance of overtaking them for the lead in that Metro Division. So it will be interesting to see if they can hang on to that lead one of those teams coming up right behind them is the Islanders. They had a chance to move past them last night in that game against Pittsburgh. Didn't capitalize. They had a chance to tie them, I should say. They're at 34 going into that game. They they ended up getting a point after scoring two goals in the last 5 minutes of the game. So, had a chance to tie for that lead. They didn't they didn't execute. They they fought hard at the last in the last minutes of that game to get into overtime, but Ended up not working out for them. Josh Bailey's not able to finish on a breakaway off a great pass from Halak, I should say. A nice up pass. So the, we talked about it a little bit, but their problem is they they have just not good goaltending. It's it's borderline dreadful goaltending that they have in, in, with the New York Islanders. Halak was in net last night. Both of these guys have good records. Halak 8 6 and 1, very respectable. But when you look at those numbers, 299 goals allowed and a 903 save percentage is not good enough, flat out. It's not the worst in the league, but it's not good enough to continue to compete in this Metro division to stay at 16 9 and 3. Their record will. It will. I think it will sink if we continue to see goaltending like that. From This is the guy that, they, that they've chosen to lean on. They started off with Tomas Grice, and they've switched course. And you're going to find out why in a second. But Halak has not done – he's done a little bit better than Grice, but not not good enough. He's going to need to improve his play and elevate his game if he wants to try to carry this team into a playoff spot and into a nice seed. Thomas Grice. <laughs> wow. It's it's kind of perplexing to look at these numbers, honestly, and make sense of it. And the man is eight, three, and two. That's great, right? Wow. Eight three and two. Fantastic record. But then you look at the numbers. This man has a three seven nine goals allowed average and an eight ninety save percentage. That is inexcusably poor. A 379 GAA It's perplexing to me how this man how does he have an 8 3-2 record? That just that really is a testament to how explosive this Islanders offense is. Barzel has been a huge addition. Barzel, I should say, excuse me. He's been a huge addition to this offense. They've been lights out. But they don't have. If they had, if they had goaltending anywhere near the likes of Braden Holtby or Sergei Bobrovsky, they would be the best team in this division right now, and arguably the best team in hockey. But they don't have it. They don't have anywhere close to it, and so they have suffered because of that. It's one of the most exciting teams to watch in hockey. It seems like every single game. You know, last night was four three. That seems like a low scoring game for this team. Uh, It seems like every night they're going five four, they're going six three. You know, they're scoring so many goals, but they're allowing so many goals. So that's gonna. I I, I feel as if they should make a move, for, for a goaltender. Uh, I don't know who they're looking to move if if anybody, but they have a lot of depth on that forward line. You know, guys like Eberly Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, they could draw a good, fairly good goaltender. And I'm not—I don't know if they want to trade in division, but you look at a guy like Philip Grubauer in Washington. He's been a fantastic backup goaltender for a few years in the NHL, and I've always said that he should be a starter in this league. And you look at—you know—there's a lot of guys around the league that, that that are fit for that starting job. you know. Look at what Vegas has done with all their backups. Malcolm Subban, the way he's been playing, could definitely start somewhere. Why not New York? Uh, maybe they could get a deal done. So it would be interesting to see if they try to make a move for a goaltender because they really need one right now. Columbus, they're around that win, win a game, lose a game range as well. I'm not too worried about this team however as I would be with with a New Jersey team because they they have they have a situation like in Montreal where you can you can really just lean on your goaltender but unlike Montreal they have they have a full group of skaters that can get it done so I think they're poised to be one of those teams that could be at the top of that division the Rangers done incredibly well without Mika Zibanejad. When he went down with that concussion, I was like, oh no, they're going to lose every game without him. I I would have bet a lot of money that they would have lost every game after Zibanejad went down because he's that type of player for them. He's been that guy that I said they didn't have. He has turned out to be that guy. Absolutely. I was definitely wrong about that, but he went down and I was like, they're done. Well, they've won two of their last three without him, and they are lucky that they haven't had to play more games. They had like a four-day break and a three-day break in between the games that they had lost him. So that they've been lucky in that respect, but they've won the games that they've played, and this team's been impressing me over this last stretch. So they are a team that could end up near the top of this division and make the playoffs. They've been very impressive with that group of forwards that stepped up in a way that I didn't think they could. Capitals have won six out of their last seven, and this is one of the teams that you've seen. A lot of these teams started off real hot, and then they've kind of plateaued a little bit. And this is a team in the Washington Capitals that they have skyrocketed their way to the top of this division into that group of teams with 35 points. Won six of their last seven with wins over Toronto, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Only loss they took in that stretch was to the Los Angeles Kings. So they've had a really tough stretch of games. Really, really tough. And they've won six out of their last seven. This teams look really, really good. Alex Ovechkin has been red hot. We're going to talk about that next. But they've also gotten their secondary scoring going. And Brett Conley has had three goals. He's got a goal in his last three games. So three in his last three. Devontae Smith-Pelly had a goal the other night. So they've got guys stepping up. Uh, even, even with Ovechkin just being as hot as he's been, they look really good. Pittsburgh—they've won five of their last six. Justin Schultz just went down with an injury. That's going to hurt their blue line a little bit, but they've—I think they'll find a way to carry on. They all this team is. They're just one of those teams. They're like the New England Patriots in football. Somebody goes down, it's next man up, and the next man up performs just as well as the guy that went down. So I don't expect that to change. Matt Murray's been out. That could prove to be more of a significant loss, but they've still won games without him. You know, won five of their last six. He went down November 27th, I believe, and they've continued to win games, so that's been impressive. You know, Matt Murray's been—he's emerged as a star goaltender in the league. So we'll see how they continue to fare without him. He's out indefinitely. So if they get him back soon, that's going to be real scary because they're hot right now. And then you got Carolina and Philly running out the bottom of this division. Still, two great teams with a lot of talent. Um, like I said, that top line in Philly might be the best in hockey. And you know, Carolina's got a couple. Of Solid young guys in Sebastian Aho and Tuivu Teravoinen, so they've got a lot of a lot of talented guys. And going back to Alex Ovechkin, eight goals in his last seven, four assists in his last two games. And I've been saying, I I said it after the game they had on Wednesday night. But this is the best two-game stretch that I've seen from Alex Ovechkin, and he's netted a goal in each and four assists in those two games. He's, he's attacked on offense. The way he's skating, that's what I've seen that's most impressed me, is he's skating like he's a rookie in the league. He's all over the place. He's flying around the ice, and obviously the assists have been the had an assist to Brett Connolly in the first of those two games that was amazing beautiful deep move between the legs and then gives him backhand pass right on the tape and then Wednesday night had two goal two assists from Gretzky's office one to Backstrom he gets Backstrom his first goal in 21 games and one from the other side behind the goal through the, a super tight windows, traffic everywhere. Puts it right on Kuznetsov's tape, and he gets a goal. So, not only has he... He's been scoring incredible goals, too. Highlight reel goals. He's flying, his stick work looks incredible, and he's passing the puck immaculately right now. So, he gets a lot of flack for not passing the puck, not being a good passer of the puck, not making his teammates better but he has absolutely done that in this past not only two games but even those that eight that seven game stretch where he's had eight goals it's not just about the goal scoring he's been doing it all he's been playing great defense he's definitely been getting back and getting involved in those plays so it's really impressive stuff that that I've seen from Ovechkin and in that seven-game stretch that he's had eight goals, they, you know like I said, they've won six of their last seven. And the only game that they lost Ovech, was it the only game in that stretch that Ovechkin did not have a goal. So when he scores, the Caps win, essentially, is what you can take away from that. So we have, before I say goodbye to you guys, we have a few games tonight. Got a Metropolitan Division matchup that's going to be a must-watch. Capitals-Rangers. Really intense rivalry that's heated up in the past five, ten years. They've seen each other in the playoffs so many times that it's just it's become one of the one of the most intense rivalries in the league. And that's gonna have big implications in that division. If the Capitals win, they will be at the top of that division. The Devils and Blue Jackets also play tonight, so depending on what happens there. The Capitals could end up tied for the for the top of that division. The Rangers could make a move and be in that 34 point area just behind the current leader in the Devils. And then another Metropolitan Division matchup tonight. It really, that's quite a treat. The Devils and Blue Jackets are are facing off, so not going to want to miss those two matchups. Going to be both going to be great games. I expect the Capitals to win at home against the Rangers. So, if you're a gambling man, not a gambling man, I'd put my money on the Caps money line. Devils taking on the Blue Jackets. I would take the Blue Jackets, actually. They're, they're going into New Jersey, but like I said, not sure about this Devils team. Both of these teams have been kind of on a win-a-game-lose-a-game win stretch, but I think it's going to be the Blue Jackets' turn to win a game uh, in New Jersey. Predators hosting the Golden Knights, that'll be a fun one, Um, it's going to be a close game, I expect more of a low scoring game, if that over, under is at 6, I would take the under, 5.5, that's a toughie, might even go the under on that as well, expect a low scoring one in that one, Predators come away with the win there, Blackhawks host the Sabres, Sabres suck, Blackhawks are at home. I think that's a safe bet with Chicago. And then the Ducks host the wild to finish off the night at 10 PM. That'll be another fun game. Two tightly matched teams. And I kind of expect a high scoring affair in that one. It'll be a close matchup though in terms of who comes out on top. So just watch to find out. I'm not sure who's gonna win. Can't quite tell you to play where to place your money with that one. It's been a great episode, guys. Thank you for sticking with me been episode five of outside the glass presented to you by pure sports network follow us on twitter the website's coming soon guys please you know please check that out we're looking forward to it we're gonna have great content for you from day one when we launch in january so be on the lookout for that and thank you so much guys for tuning in have a great rest of your friday or whatever day you're tuning in i'm thomas robertson and this is outside the glass